0: one then face on hello everybody welcome back to the jerek show after two weeks off Uh, i'm sure all three of you missed us very very much i'm javad malik and um let's just run the intro
1: welcome to the jerek show featuring your hosts javad malik and eric crone timely topics poorly presented
0: Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Eric, you made it back, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, you can't keep me down that easily. Um, You disappear for a couple of weeks. We don't do a show. But I am here, ready to go. I got bells on my feet. Let's do this thing.
0: Excellent. And we have a very special guest with us today, uh, someone uh, I've been following for a long time. I'm a big fan of, of, of her work. Why am I speaking about you in the third person andra? welcome to the show.
2: Hi, thanks so much for the invite and I can only say the feeling is mutual so i am I've a bit taken you know aback about that. I didn't expect that, but thank you.
0: no you're welcome see I, I see i I believe like what one of the challenges we have in the security industry overall is that we are overly represented by people who are uh, pen testers out there in the in the world or red teamers or people that are very technical and I think the mm. the, the whole industry is made up of so much more it 's so rich and so uh, especially like I, I i i'm really passionate and, and I love to learn about marketing and how we can communicate better and you know you 're one of the foremost experts in that field as far as i 'm concerned so uh, that 's why we are really happy to have you.
2: I can only echo that in the sense that, not the things about myself, uh, but thank you again for that. But um, most, um, you know, I'm, I'm very passionate about this industry because of the people. I think that that's one of the things that brought me here. And when I tell, you know, people like industry outsiders, when I tell them like, hey, cybersecurity is an industry that's packed with, you know idealistic super diverse incredible people who have this you know super extensive mindset and they understand so many things they they love to challenge the status quo they're rebels there are so many things that you can learn from them and they always kind of they always like wait wasn't this about the tech what are you talking about um and it just changes that their perspective and i think that we need a lot more of that as well
1: that's a great Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it's an interesting industry because to Javad's point, you know, the red teamers, the pen testers, those folks, they get all the like rock star status, right? Like, oh, so-and-so did this, so-and-so did that. But there's so many people behind the scenes on the blue teams, the, the defensive side of things that are working hard every day, that never see the limelight, never see that kind of thing. But they're amazing people doing amazing things. And the more diverse mindsets we have, the more... Interesting angles that we get out there to look at certain problems, the better we are at solving those in in new ways. You know, if we all think the same and we all try the same thing, then we all fail the same. But having extra eyes and and minds on that. I mean, we've interviewed some great people on this show that are out of the insurance industry or even theater, you know, and, and they bring such amazing views into cybersecurity. It's just great.
0: Yeah, that reminds me of one of my my favorite new analogies that I've been using a lot. And uh, that's the one about Coca-Cola. So over the last hundred years or so, Coca-Cola has been the best-selling soft drink outside of water that people paid for. And no one's really been able to put a dent in the market. And when -hmm. you look at logical thinking or people just thinking in one way, um, they think, well, how do we compete with Coke? And they're like, well, let's make something that tastes better than Coke. Um, let's make something that's cheaper and comes in a bigger bottle. And you're like, fantastic idea, let's try that. And people have been trying that and they haven't really gotten anywhere. And then one company came along and they said, let's make something that tastes horrible, comes in a small can and is more expensive. And they've taken more market share than anyone else has in, <laughs> in recent years. And uh, that that being Red Bull. So... <laughs> So I, I think that's that's where the diversity of thought and diversity of opinion really comes in. Because if you start keeping things the same way, you're going to end up with the same problems. And uh, speaking of the same problems, Eric, uh, this is our story picked for the week. Bug, bug exposes a UFI camera
1: private feeds to random
0: users. Uh, have you ever stumbled across a random feed, Eric?
1: um no but i i have browsed um some not necessarily random feeds uh, but you know showdan is great for looking at cameras um and and interesting things that are left exposed on the internet and and i'm i'm not using the term exposed in that way Uh, but ultimately this is not unusual to have, you know, people leaving things like that, that, that automatically connect open. Now, this is an interesting case. It's certainly not the first in what's happened, Um, But basically, they did an update and some uh, things got a little wonky on the other side. And that is a purely technical term, wonky. And basically what it did is it allowed other people to view or people to view other people's camera feeds. Even the videos that were saved on like the card, the recorded stuff that was already on the SD card. Lots of things happened like that. And this was purely a server side thing. Um, through the cloud infrastructure that uh, the, the parent company here, which is Anchor, which makes some pretty good stuff. I got a lot of Anchor stuff. Um, but they're the ones that uh, that made this change. It wasn't like the consumer made a mistake. They did everything right. And then, boom, all of a sudden, all your uh, your camera feeds are available to other people uh, within the platform. So not a good feel. Not a good feel at all. No, not
0: at all. Andre, do you have any smart cameras?
2: Uh, I only have a pet camp that we use only when we're away uh, and I just, you know, need to check in on my cat every once in a while. Uh, But that's it. They're very careful with these things. But that kind of comes with the territory, this kind of thinking, this kind of awareness of what happens around you and what might happen with your data. You build these scenarios in your head when you know that they can actually happen. And what actually caught my eye is that, you know, the beginning of the article starts with customer panic. And I can bet that customers, only a few of them panicked, but the rest, they probably didn't know. And they probably didn't care because they don't realize they can't really connect the outcome of a situation like this to something that actually impacts their real life in any way. And the fact that they can make that connection, the fact that we're dealing with so much abstract stuff because we were talking about the echo chamber earlier, that's one of the challenges that we need to figure out. And, you know, a lot of people are trying it. I feel like we're making good progress, but still, you know, in terms of smart cameras and every other smart connected devices, I always try to talk to my friends about this. I'm the one who nags them about updates first of all i i am the one who will spam every other chat with uh hey guys <laughs> just you know dropping this here there's an update check your whatever uh, devices or you know operating systems um but yes yeah, so around smart cams mm-hmm. i only use this like very specifically and we're very much aware of what we're actually exposing ourselves to uh and the minute i come back home i unplug it and like put it away make sure that it's dead <laughs> and not you know not doing anything on its own
1: yeah that's, good. that's an interesting you know it, there was something that happened and it, it comes to mind it was um yi, YI cameras and mm-hmm. they sold just an absolute ton of them on amazon they were these very inexpensive ones that had incredible um video i mean for the money they're like 25 bucks or something right and they did a really, really good job. I know some people, you know, they're foster parents, and so they they want to protect themselves against, uh, you know, weird stuff happens where people say, oh, so and so did this or whatever. So they put these things up in their home just to make sure that everything's on the up and up for everybody, right? Um, and they uh, they were one of the ones, they ended up finding out that there was a new terms and conditions that was released after these things were all out there that essentially ended up saying, we now have the right to go through any of your videos on our cloud hosting platform at any time we want to, and they're all hosted in China, and and look at whatever we want, whenever we want. And they changed the terms and conditions after it was out there, but a lot of people, only the people that really paid any attention or knew Understood what that meant. Everyone else just went, Oh, I accept. I asked them, They're like, Oh, yeah, I accepted that update, whatever it was, you know. And I'm like, Okay. And, and not to put a tinfoil hat on, I don't think everybody's out there spying on everybody all the time, right? But it's a dangerous precedent to be able to get a bunch of things in place that can't function without the cloud backend and then change the terms and conditions. And that's a danger of cloud stuff like this. This was totally out of the user's control. All they could do is unplug their camera when this happened. And so, you know, we're, we're putting a lot of, uh, of, I guess, trust in those platforms.
0: Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, and somewhat related to that, I, I, I discovered a really cheap and ineffic- ineffective way you can protect yourselves and your enterprises from, from bad hackers. Are you ready to have your minds blown? Did you say cheap and
1: ineffective way? <laughs> <laughs> ineffective? I meant effective.
2: <laughs> oh yes, oh yes. This one made the rounds this week, didn't it? Uh I think it surfaced after a while because there used to be talk about this specific thing like a few years back yeah. as well. But yeah.
1: yep, yeah. This was this was one of those things that was kind of like brought to light again, and a lot of people went, Oh, I've never heard of this. And you know, yeah, you're right, it went around a few years ago. It's yeah. not the first time that we've seen certain strains of malware. Yeah that will not attack things that are using a Cyrillic-based keyboard. So (laughs) yeah, this is, hey, you know, if you're worried about ransomware coming from, uh, you know, that side of the place, maybe this would work for you. It doesn't hurt, right? Right? Yeah. That's why I've got five keyboards in front of me, each with a
0: different language setting on it. So I'm protected from everyone.
1: Look, you don't have to actually use a Russian keyboard. You simply need to install that provision to use that so that you could switch to it if you so felt like doing it.
2: Okay, okay. I think, you know, we're going to have to, you know, like, hey, if you were a black hoodie, you're going to be fine (laughs) or, you know, whatever it is. I expect things to get very creative uh, and continue to be quite useless (laughs) every now and then.
1: Brilliant. Thanks for that ineffective way to save yourself, Javad. (laughs) Yes. All right. So let's turn this around. Let's talk a little bit here. Now that the stories are out of the way, let's talk a little bit, uh, Andra, Javad, you know her well, and, or know of her. You you were, you were invited her. Let's just put it that way, okay? I don't know how much she wants to admit having anything to do with you. Um, but you do know her, and you invited her. What made you say, you know what? I want to have this person on the show. Well, so Andrea's got this... Uh, well, I follow her on Twitter.
0: I follow you on Twitter, Andrea. I, I'm not talking to you, Eric. I'm talking to Andrea now. <laughs> I follow you on Twitter. I followed you for a long time. And uh, your website is is there in the uh, on on the screen now andrasaria.com and um, i i love your website it's like it starts off with content marketing with cybersecurity expertise and nowadays i suppose my role i sit within pr which is part of marketing so things like content marketing is not an unfamiliar term like how it was like a few years ago to me but i i do believe there's a massive gap in between uh, what we know and how we actually convey that information out there. Uh, before a, a few jobs ago, I used to be an analyst at 451 Research. They're like an, an analyst firm like Gartner or Forrester. So I got to speak to a ton of startups a lot of the time. They would be like, hey, here's our new product. And I would have like a 45 minute briefing with them and I would look at their website. And at the end of it, I'd still be like, I, I, I don't mean to be rude. I still don't quite understand what you guys do because they've been talking in, in such, they're so excited about what uh, it is they do or, or not what it is, it's how they go about doing it. We use some artificial intelligence and machine learning and we've got this and we've got PhDs on our team and we've got data scientists. It's like, well, okay, that's how you go about doing it, but I don't understand what exactly you do or why that would benefit me or, or a customer. So I think that's, that's just such a massive gap in our industry, because on one hand, you've got practitioners who who, who are coming from a technical perspective. And then on the other end, you've got marketers who are coming from a perspective where sometimes they don't really fully understand the technology, but they're making these bold claims just to try and like impress people or, 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 or you know, I, I'm not saying lying, but they're, they're very liberal with the truth sometimes. So oh, yes. <laughs> I, I think that, this, that if, if there's a Venn diagram, you sit perfectly in the centre. you and you know people who bring your kind of expertise, and I thought you'd you'd be excellent to come here and help educate us and uh, perhaps some of our viewers as to like, you know, what is it that you do, how you go about it, and what can we do to to be better at it.
2: Uh, Thank you for setting the context so, so well. This is actually one of the main things that I've seen since I've been in the industry. I actually started working specifically in cybersecurity in 2015 when content marketing was almost non-existent. There were a few companies doing a few things right and then things just escalated from there. It's been such, uh, you know, it, it, it's just been a wild ride to see how the industry has evolved. And not of the things that have happened since are good, just like you mentioned. And uh, to me, there are a kind of a few things that we're lacking, you know, as, as let's say, as people who want to work in communication. Uh, because what I seen, what I saw then and what I still see now is that there are people who are good at marketing or content or, you know, things that are just take a specific set of skills. Uh, And then there are people who are super passionate about security, about the technical things, but they don't often talk to each other. And they don't often find that bridge and that kind of personal connection that you need to establish trust. And there's so much, there's such a big divide in the industry. And this happens in the tech industry through and through, but especially in cybersecurity, there's such a big divide into between marketing and sales yeah. and PR or anything that has to do with promoting a business and growing it, which is not a bad thing. Um, and the technical teams. And I often see them, you know, uh, talk, I often see tech leaders, you know, kind of you know pick on on marketing for good reason most of the time, Uh, but also be kind of derisive about it because they have seen these bold claims like you mentioned, they see cliches and a lot of bullshit basically just spewing out from various parts of the internet. We're all tired of hearing about military-grade security and unhackable and this, I just, I roll my eyes so hard that they're gonna pop out of my eye sockets one day when I see these things because anyone who knows their audience will know that they will be instantly repelled by that and to me it all boils down so if you want to be a good marketer or a good communication person in this industry you have to respect your customer. And if you respect your customer, you have to get to know them. And if you get to know them and understand where they're coming from and kind of, you know, what they're looking for, you are not going to put these messages out there you're not going to go out with some unsubstantiated claim because they're going to see right through you. But what, unfortunately, what many marketers still do is that they do not uh, just they don't spend enough time getting to know their audience because the audience guides you. They tell you know what you need to know. They tell you the communication channels they prefer and the type of messaging that resonates with them and what they're actually looking for. And you don't need to make any of that stuff up. You just have to find the match between their actual needs and context and what you're trying to promote and build and the kind of value that you're trying to emphasize and put forward from that team. Obviously it's not a simple thing and it takes a lot of work and a lot of practice. And I think that um, one of the things that that has helped me um, Is that I've been fortunate to work with startups for the almost you know over 10 years now And startup thinking, you know when we take away the hyper growth bullshit that I hate (laughs) um uh, startup thinking comes with a lot of um, with a lot of sensible very uh, very good stuff that guides your thinking. It comes with experimentation. It comes with customer development, which means talking to your customer about their needs and not doing a sales call. It means just iterating slowly and constantly looking for that product market fit or content customer fit. Looking where those you know where you overlap in terms of interest and in terms of the value that you provide. And just doing that process, going through it over and over again, collecting that feedback, you know, building it back into your system, whether it's marketing or sales or business building, that's what makes you better. But, and this is a very big, but you have to be a very, very passionate about the industry. I've worked with people, I've built content teams and I've worked with people who are very good at their thing so you know writing content they were very good at marketing but they didn't love cybersecurity. and after a few months they told me like hey i really like i i want to keep doing this but i just you know don't feel like this is the thing that i want to do and i guess i was just you know not i was also lucky but for me it was when I started in cyber workings, particularly for a cybersecurity startup, I just I instantly fell in love with the industry because of the people, because of the opportunity that it gives you to make a contribution to something that's meaningful yeah. and to actually use your, you know, use your powers for good, use your uh, ability to talk to people, to communicate ideas simply, to make abstract things seem relatable and to use storytelling to really convey the true value of cybersecurity, which is, you know, changing minds, changing habits, and ultimately making the world a better place. As idealistic as it sounds, I really, truly believe in that. And as a marketer, you don't get too many chances of actually doing that. I wouldn't be able to work for a different kind of company now because I don't see the actual real contribution at the end of the line, and if I can't see that. I've, you know, I'm, I'm now in a place where I can say like, I'm, I'm not going to work with you because it doesn't make sense. I don't see this is not an actual product. You're not doing something meaningful. So I'm just, you know, not gonna uh, end up in there. And, you know, feel free to stop me anytime because I can go on about this <laughs> you know, <you're laughs> for a long, long time. <laughs> well,
1: I gotta say, I mean, I agree with you 100% there. And especially that, that's one of the things that drew me to this. Now, I I've always been drawn to you know uh, not for profits and things like that that have a real mission that kind of help things, and and that's something I like about cybersecurity is we actually feel like we're doing something and not just feel like it, we're actually doing something to help improve the world out there. Now it's an uphill battle. It's not easy and it's, you know, it's exhausting. I'm 28 years old. Look at me. I mean, you know, cybersecurity is hard, Uh, but uh, it's it's one of these things that you really do when you step back and you either stopped something or fix something or dump something like that, you feel good about what you've done. When you're done with it. And that's absolutely one of those feelings that you, you know, you're probably not going to get if you're flipping burgers or you know, you're in one of these just for-profit, for-profit, for-profit sort of centered organizations. It's definitely missing. And I wanna point out something you said before about the military grade. Okay, so somebody as somebody who spent a couple of years in active uh, active service um, and then about 10 years with the U.S. Army as a contractor, I can tell you that when someone tells me something's military grade, I'm seeing it held together with duct tape, barely working, beat up, scratched, been beat all to snot, and I'm going to run the other way, right? So the, the mindset between different people is extreme in that sense, you know? And so I got to kind of laugh at that because they do use terms like that. And what I think of is totally different than high tech, super cool stuff, you know? It's it's different, different, definitely different. <laughs>
2: And but, really yeah. and you had... Sorry. Go ahead, Javad.
1: No, no, no. Go no, 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 no. You, you, you probably had something important to say. I, I was just
0: going to make <laughs> fun of Eric. And I, I was just going to say that's only the U.S. military, not or not the
1: British <laughs> <Greek> military. <laughs> you might <You'd> be <laughs> onto something. Yeah. Yeah. True story. <laughs>
2: Oh, well, yeah, that might depend, but without context, people are not really able to understand what these things mean. But the thing is that security companies, they're not just selling things to anyone. They're selling things to people who hopefully know a thing or two about what they're doing. And even even if you look at like regular internet users buying stuff for their home, like whatever, anti-malware, antivirus, whatever it is, even password managers those people are still kind of educated because your regular internet user still needs to be kind of nudged in that direction so even when you're talking to them we shouldn't just assume that people you know will buy anything that you're telling them in terms of messaging they need context they need uh, you know like real stuff to sink their teeth into and just going on about abstract stuff i feel like does us a disservice and we're stuck in this echo chamber just talking to each other but no one's trying or just very few people are trying to you know open doors uh to to uh, for others to come in and I feel like that also keeps A lot of you know i guess marketing talent from coming into the industry because they feel like it's a very it's a very technical industry i'm not going to be good at this this is not a potential career opportunity for me and i feel like we're missing out on a lot of people who could be this bridge between customers and you know tech founders or tech teams and, and act as translators between them and make these things you know, make the products and the services not just appealing, but appealing in the right way in the sense of let's try to communicate things like we're talking to other people, because even if you're trying to sell, let's say a product or a service to a company, you're going to sell it to someone in the company. The company itself does not exist as an entity. You're not talking to the company, you're talking to an actual human being who's tired of (laughs) webinar invites and cold emails. And automated LinkedIn outreaches who make me cringe, and make my skin crawl. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm trying basically to contribute to just, you know, chipping away at that a little bit, hopefully, and then a lot more. So, well, we're yeah.
0: go ahead, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. So I'm just going to take this down another path just slightly. So we, we've we've been speaking a lot about this from a marketing perspective, from a from a startup or a vendor side. Um, there's also the the uh, insiders who, who work within a security team that works within an organization. And to a degree, they also have to sell their services or have to communicate that understanding to the wider organization internally. So uh, you, you ask a lot of people, especially like you know pen testers or whatever, what's the worst part about your job? And they're like, I hate the report that I have to write at the end of it. <laughs> Everyone enjoys doing all the cool hacking stuff. Nobody enjoys writing about it. And I think that's one of the uh, the biggest missed opportunities because that's the point at which you can convey what you've done in a in a meaningful way and uh, and 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 help get people to understand what value you're adding. You're not just there to catch people out or make them look stupid. You're you're there to help them to build a better better product or, or, or better service that's secure. So. It, do, do you think that the these principles that you talk about and, and you apply, they can apply equally or, or do you need to tweak it a bit to, to, for it to work in an internal environment?
2: Oh, they, they totally apply equally to both internal and external environments. The principles are the same. Figure out who you're talking to, what their priorities are, you know, get to know them on a personal level and just, you know, try to learn. Because I know that not everyone's good at this and it's not easy to build. Soft skills, and I don't like the like the, the word soft skills as it is. They're super important skills. Our life depend on it. We build ourselves as a society because we manage to talk to one another. So it's kind of important for our survival uh, and for doing business as well. Um, but I think that there is such a big gap uh, in terms of trying to teach people this part of like, Hey, how do you communicate clearly? How do you write a good email? And also in the past year, you know, when people have had to do a lot more asynchronous work and they weren't in the office and they weren't able to immediately talk to one another and, and chat, it felt like I've seen such a drop in the quality of communication because people are not used to articulating their ideas and investing in, in you know, people in, in actually supporting them and teaching them these skills, I think that would improve not only how they do their jobs and, and the overall, let's say, internal culture, but it would probably also give them a bit more confidence to talk about this outside their companies, to contribute to their community a lot more. Because the people that I see who are very active in the emphasis community, especially on Twitter, they are people who um, communicate with ease who are very open and vulnerable, they're very empathetic. They're all values that I deeply resonate with and this is actually one of the reasons that I love this industry is because we're able to talk about things like mental health and diversity and actual get like in the nuts and bolts of it, not just stay on the surface and then spew out just, you know, generic random stuff. We're talking about the real real deal and real challenges here and to, to make like a serious mindset change and show people the value that these skills have because they think that they're undervalued a little bit because like you said, the, the hard skills, the tech skills, they're so built up and they're so uh, admired and they have that rockstar uh, status. Uh, we need to bring up the, the other part as well, simply because it's gonna make business better it's going to make them better because it comes with self-awareness and a bunch of other things that are more kind of touchy feely. uh, And uh, I feel that not, not, not everyone is open to that, but once you get started and you see what a difference it makes, um, you just want to do more of it. And this is what I've seen around me. I've worked with a bunch of, you know, founders who are super technical people who still are super technical people, but the best of them who have managed to build companies that they're, proud of where their employees are happy and they help one another and they, you know, they constantly educate themselves, um, have worked on, you know, acquiring and building those skills themselves. So it is definitely possible. There are tons of examples out there, but it's, it, it it takes some personal, you know, determination, um, and just, you know, any trigger that anyone can could use to, to just work on these skills. But the principles are the same for everyone. The, the principles for clarity and for connection and for uh, you know looking outside of yourselves those work in any given context.
1: You know, it, it's interesting. For years, we've struggled with this, um, with with communication, especially like going up to the board level and things like that. Right? People are have been drawn to this industry, IT and security, for decades because we would rather work with a computer than a person. Let's be honest. I mean, it's a broad brush I'm, I'm I'm painting here with, but we tend to really enjoy the technical thought. We we're very um, very into that sort of thing, and many of us are introverts. We would much rather be with a computer. You know, my happiest time is in server rooms with the fans going around me, and I'm by myself doing my thing. Right. Um, But we also we have to now bridge that gap because what's happened over the last number of years, and I was on a panel about six years ago in RSA uh, talking about this, the leadership is now having to deal with cybersecurity as a threat, right? So your executives at the board level are having to do that, and they're generally not super technical people, especially in established businesses. Um, they are really good at dealing with company risk. They're really good at making those kind of key decisions around the business decisions that are there, but they're not always super technical. Now, if we cannot get our, our risk across to them, if we cannot communicate with them where they're where they're going to have their biggest issues, we're going to all have problems around that. And that's something that we have not, you know, we're, we're starting to embrace quite a bit but there's still a lot of um, lack of those skills in the industry. And I like that you say, you know, soft skills are not soft. They really aren't. They are as hard as technical skills ever are to get a hold of. And, um, you know, until we embrace that, uh, we're going to mess things up. And I'll be honest. I mean, I've been in situations. I'll never forget a good friend of mine. He helped uh, coach me through a lot of things. I was in a meeting with a bunch of high-level um military people something had gone wrong and i mean it had literally just turned into this deal and i'm doing the reporting on what happened and they're practically like grabbing chairs and beating each other over the head like in a wrestling match right and i'm trying to explain to them well this is what's going and my friend leaned over to me very quietly and he said stop talking and, and that was like the best advice i ever got and and i was so tied up and trying to explain no technically this is what's going on he's like that's not going to matter let them hash it out now. And I started realizing then how important communication was with leaders like that. And at that point, I just stood back and tried not to get anything on me, you know. Um, but it was it was eye-opening to me, the power of communication and how it can kind of form around things like that. Had I kept going, it never would have settled down. And so it, it really made me think of that. And we we have to, it's good that we have coaches that can sometimes lean over and go, just shut up, Okay. Um, or, or coach us in different ways to do that and get some some stuff um, across. And I think that's incredibly important that we as individuals in this industry start embracing that and working towards that.
2: Yes, de-escalating conflict, I think, is one of the most important things. And especially when we see like, big vulnerabilities and tons of security issues and things blow up and people have to work weekends and they're overworked and so on and so forth. That's even more important than to be able to keep your cool in these situations yeah. and actually meaningfully influence decision makers you know, in an ethical way that helps everyone. That's super important. And we were talking about financial motivation um, earlier, and I just wanted to mention something I feel that sometimes because there's this disconnect between, let's say, security specialists and then security specialists on a marketing team, instead of working together to persuade decision makers or C-level execs, into making business decisions that don't push sales and marketing into doing like stuff that's unethical or manipulative or things like that. They just waste their energy kind of, you know, clashing with one another uh, when cooperation would actually help elevate everyone's work and and make it easier because sometimes what's attributed to marketing is actually a business decision that's being, you know, that's, that pressures marketers who aren't able sometimes to say no, or to, you know, meaningfully oppose that, that decision. And they end up doing like a bunch of spammy stuff that is a disfavor to everyone at the end of the day. And it's all an ecosystem. If we can't rely on each other and trust each other, then we're just going to be stuck in the same loop over and over.
1: Beautiful. Couldn't have said it better myself. I couldn't have communicated that better myself. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going to get a
0: shirt that says, Eric, shut up. And just like wear it on every podcast because I think that 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 mentor he, he deserves to give you some more. It, more it was, you need to take it more on board.
1: It was so. simply stop talking, and he didn't say it in a mean way. It was in a very like, "Hey man, look, they're they're going to do their thing. Stop talking. Let them do their thing." And yeah, it was it was it just really opened my eyes to that. So if you want a shirt, stop talking. That's what it is, Javon. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so um one um person i, I follow on on so i think it's hard not to follow them on social media if you're into marketing and you can't avoid is gary v and um uh, Vay- vayner i think is as pronounced but um um he, he's written a book called uh, jab jab uh jab jab, jab hook uh, uh and basically his philosophy is like people these days they try to create content that goes viral so they're like, let me write this blog and hopefully I'll get 10,000 or let me create this video and it'll get, and, and his theory is like, you you just need to be consistent, uh, put out small bits of content on a consistent basis. And every now and then something that you don't anticipate or expect, it will go viral. So uh, using that as a as a basis or as a, as a theory, um, do you think that from a content planning perspective, organizations, uh hello, I'm on a meeting. No, thank you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Timely topics, poorly
0: presented. <laughs> no, So uh, using that as a basis, uh, do you think that security or just organizations put enough thought into the strategy of how they're communicating is like, sometimes they try to do like, let's have a, a, an all hands meeting and let's like blast this out all in one go, as opposed to say, why don't we sit down and have a six months or a 12 month strategy build out our content and, uh, and, and hit it like that. I mean h- how would you approach
2: it, Andrew? There are a few things here. While I'll value you know Gary Vee's consistency, I think that sometimes that can be misleading because you know pe- companies get stuck and sometimes marketers specifically tend to get stuck in best practices. and best practices that haven't been working for a while, which is like hey, we have to publish like three blog posts per week. Yes, but why? (laughs) Like, what are you trying to achieve? What kind of audience are you trying to attract? Who are you looking to serve? I am a huge fan of Seth Godin's work and his approach to marketing, which is super ethical. It's very human, very customer-driven. It challenges you to be a better person so you can serve your community and always have that, like, hey, how am I showing up for people? How am I showing up for myself? And consistency is one of these things. But I think that what most people are missing is not an all hands-on things or even like not even the planning part but customer focus actually talking to people actually asking them about their context actually doing customer interviews where they're not trying to sell where they're just trying to understand you know what these people want what's worrying them what's keeping them up at night what's keeping them from you know doing their best work what's uh, you know, weighing them down in terms of like family stuff and personal things, because it's you're not, you know, we're not like work us and home us. We've hopefully gone past that a long time ago. So I think that customer focus is missing a lot and knowing how to do that, knowing how to talk to people, knowing what to do with those insights and how to push them along and to help the team align. When I start introducing this this kind of customer interview process for. My customers and the people that I work with, they instantly like, we have to do this all of the time. And it aligns people immediately because they feel the human connection, they understand the context, the motivation. And there's this this framework that's super helpful if anyone wants to look into it. It's called jobs to be done. And what it does is that it teaches you. It's a strategic concept that applies to marketing product and mostly anything else, even like life planning <laughs> uh, and it teaches you to look beyond the things because for example, the example that uh, the framework gives is that people don't buy a skateboard for the, you know, the product itself. They buy the freedom of, you know, skating down the street and that childhood feeling of of freedom and release that you get and the joy. And what are people trying to achieve? They're trying to, for example, security uh, specialists, they're trying to do their job and, and make the company better. So how are you looking to serve them and instead of pushing things onto people, you get to pull them in and then really have that conversation and be human. And I think that a massive advantage is not to focus on volume, but to focus on quality because you can get 10 million visitors on your website. But if only like two of them buy, that's not you're really not doing something right. So um, I think that scale you know, is sometimes overrated and quality is underrated and companies who manage to really be human and, and present the awesome technology sometimes that they built in human terms are going to be able to differentiate themselves uh, in what's a very crowded market and is about to be even more crowded, honestly. Yeah, yeah.
0: So that that's beautiful. It reminds me of actually a quote I just read by Simon Sinek the other day. And uh, he said that, Uh, You go to a bookstore or library and there's a massive section called self-help, but there's no section called help others. And Uh, and, yeah, and I really like that. And I think that that resonates with what you're saying about we, we, we focus so much inwards about what we can produce and what we're going to get out of it. And not enough focuses goes on how we can help the customer or what the customer wants.
1: This all sounds like that crazy word engagement to me. It all seems to kind of sound like that, right? We engage with people as opposed to stepping back and, and throwing things at them, right? And, and there is a difference between that. So um, certainly, I mean, uh, that's some interesting interesting stuff you just said there. That's, that's uh, an interesting angle that I think uh, is important to learn from uh, is actually asking the customers, so what is it you want <laughs> instead of, we came up with this great thing and you're going to need it because we think you do. I mean... That's probably not the greatest way to, to run things there. That's that's so, a good so idea, that, engage with them.
0: So, so, Eric, is that what you mean when you, when you were in the army and you were saying, let's engage those people? You were talking about having a good relationship with them.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, I was in IT, so I didn't do that kind of engaging. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways... No, this is this is absolutely fantastic. Um and great information. I mean, this this is this is awesome. And I love your your thoughts on this. I love how you're trying to help people do this and organizations, especially in the tech industry where we're very technical, be able to actually communicate well with uh with customers or potential customers. And your your insights on that are are absolutely wonderful. So thank you.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much. I'd love to recommend a bunch of books that we're probably going to, you know, if you want to add as links, I think that they would be super helpful. They're just general books that teach you how to get feedback and talk to people. They give a starting point because I feel like that's what sometimes, you know, a lot of technical people that I work with, they just need a starting point. Then you're gonna hear so much great stuff from them about the product, about what they're passionate about you just have to get them started. You just, you know, give them that nugget that triggers, get them to talk what they're passionate about. Uh, And uh, to me, that's where really like the magic unfolds. And I just love to sit back, ask questions once in a while, and just, you know, hear and, and really listen and really try to learn from people. And that's been most of my education. In cybersecurity, actually.
1: (laughs) Wonderful. What we'll do is we'll put uh, the list of the books down in the description here, uh, both on the podcast and the video, and make sure that people have access to those books um, so they know where to go get them.
2: Awesome.
1: Awesome. Yeah, sure. And don't
0: forget to follow us on jerekshow.podbean.com if you want to get the podcast. (laughs) I remember (laughs) Jerek. And uh, YouTube and just search for Jerek Show and and you'll find us. Um, Eric, you have to go now, isn't it? I do it okay so he had to go so we've kicked him out <laughs> um before we wrap up I, I did think we could have a little quick game before um before you go oh, yeah. uh, i will read out some uh lines that i read on security websites and i would like to give you the uh, i would like you to give the this is a terrible cliche or that's okay, we can work with that.
2: Oh, oh wow, oh. I love that. <laughs> <Okay. Lots. laughs>
0: so the first one, it's, it's probably one of the oldest ones in the book It's it's not a matter of if, but when.
2: Oh, dear sweet Jesus, Lord, no, please, no more of this. (laughs) I think that, you know, (laughs) like some cliches work because they tap into, uh, you know, human behavioral patterns that we've had for a very long time. And sometimes it makes sense to use them, but this doesn't do anything for anyone. Potential situations are so hard for the human mind to understand, although. The way that anxiety works, for example, is that our brain is afraid of something that's not real as if it were real. We're afraid of, you know, potential situations like, you know, an earthquake or things like that, like where we would be, you know, realistically like chased by a bear. Uh, and they're not the same things. But when you're trying to um, you know, get people to put themselves in that situation without an emotional context, that's not going to do any anything for anyone. They're just gonna leave them cold. And they're just gonna glance right through it and it's like yeah but what's in it for me like tell me you know get, give me the real stuff
0: cool. okay next one then that's a good so throwing that one out oh uh, you are online so are the bad guys <laughs>
2: Yes, I think that falls into a similar category uh, in the sense that these general statements without specifics make it difficult for people to imagine things. So, you know, besides uh, also please stop using pictures of malicious hackers, not hackers, because hacking is not a crime. Um, stop using pictures of, you know, like black hoodie wearing uh, people with dark background sitting in a basement. Uh, I think that is a stereotype that doesn't really help anyone because it feels so disconnected from real life. Uh, just like this this thing does like, yeah, we're all using internet, obviously, uh get to the point uh so being very specific in your communication like real stories with real people with real feelings that's how you get you pull people in um just to give a very quick example here um a few weeks ago i stumbled onto a uh twitter thread that a freelancer did because someone reached out to her telling like hey are you on you know one of the big freelancing websites um because i reached out to you there but it didn't seem like it was you and that's how she found out that someone had been using her name details and portfolio and her reputation to pitch clients from all over the world and try to make money on her behalf um, she did not have an account on the platform, she did not have like, you know, uh, a service that monitors her online identity, so she had no idea this basically form of identity theft and impersonation was going on. And it just, she felt like there was someone just, uh, you know, took the rug out from under her feet. And when I I created a guide for freelancers to keep their business safe because I feel like they're very exposed. Um, and I led with that story and tens of people wrote back to me and told me like, whoa, that really got to me. Like I started doing this now and I can't believe I never thought that this could happen because real life stories will get you to have that aha moment where you realize like, oh, this is actually doable. This can actually happen to me as well. And I should probably do something about it if I know what's good for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's a great example. I'm going to have to look that one up, actually. That's uh, that's a good one. So, OK, we I'll, I'll skip one at last one. Then we don't just say we are secure. We are secure.
2: <laughs> yes, that, that, that is a great one as well in the sense like, yes, but how <laughs> I always try to anticipate, you know, the best thing that you can do as a marketer is try to anticipate what people will ask. Um, I always like, you know, ask why and why should I care? Because that's what people ask generally like, yeah, but why should I care? What do you mean you're secure like how does that influence me how can you prove it and how does that make what you're offering me better and these are not just questions that we're asking because we know you know how to unpack these things most people are asking these things because they are very kind of you know they they're very picky customers um they're a uh, level let's say they may not be educated in a cybersecurity way but they're educated in the sense that i know i have alternatives and i am going to keep looking until something truly speaks to me and i will not take any bs neither from you you or you because there's someone out there who is better and i'm gonna find them uh and with so many options you know available like why should i trust you because you're telling me you're secure i'm like mm, yes no <laughs> but no uh just make sure that you know and especially with you know gen z and even younger uh, audiences they're so well versed in these things and they really care about the ethical aspect of it and you cannot their their filter is much stronger than ours <laughs> and it's gonna get even stronger so uh, as their standards rise, so uh, so should, you know, every other company, especially in, in InfoSec, do.
0: Cool, oh, oh, cool. Perfect. I'll, I'll wrap that one up there. Uh, thank you so much for your time and uh, you've been very generous with your time and your knowledge and expertise. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, there's your website down on the uh, on the thing andrazaria.com. Is there any other way that people can follow you get in touch with you?
2: Uh, so first of all, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. And, you know, thank you for uh, bearing with me while I talked your ears uh, <laughs> about all of these things um, At uh, you know at my name uh, I'm on Twitter uh, and on LinkedIn. You can you can find me on both uh, I'm not on Facebook or anywhere else, but if you want to engage in a conversation, Twitter is the best, plus that's where you know all the great uh, infosec people are, that's how I discover you, uh, and that's where I've gotten much of my education in, in this field, and in marketing as well, so there are a bunch of great people there, uh, and just come join the conversation, whatever you have to offer, whatever you have to ask, just do it, there are so many people who want to see you succeed and and who want to talk to you and learn from you. So, yeah, I just want to put that out there.
0: Cool. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much. And everyone else, uh, join us next week, hopefully, where Eric will be back. Hopefully, he won't double book his other meetings because he's useless like that. Or I'll just get a, a, a puppet to stand in for him. Uh, till <laughs> next week, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you, Andra, and see you.